Good afternoon. This is Miss Reynolds, and I am um, talking about the audio study guide podcast for exam number three, which is week 11 in biology 101 for sections A and B. All right, so this covers chapters 19, 20, 21, 22, and 24. All right, so this has a lot to do with genetics in this section and cancer and the cell cycle and how cells divide genetic disorders and the structure and function of DNA. Make sure that you understand the cell cycle, mitosis, meiosis one and two, uh, all of the stages of each one of those. Mitosis and interphase are part of the cell cycle, the two major phases. Interphase has three stages, G1, which is growth one, S, which is synthesis, and G2, which is growth two. And then it moves into mitosis, which includes prophase, prometaphase, metaphase, anaphase, telophase, and cytokinesis, which is the splitting of the cytoplasm. The cell cycle has several checkpoints that make sure that everything happens as it should have. The, the G1 makes sure that the cell has grown and that organelles have duplicated and then you have one at G2 which happens after synthesis to make sure DNA was synthesized properly and that the cell continued to grow and duplicate its proteins and everything that it needs in preparation for mitosis. Then there is the mitotic spindle checkpoint that makes sure that the spindle formed, it was pulled tight, and that everything lined up properly as it should um, for cell division. So make sure that you understand the things that go wrong in the cell cycle when those checkpoints are overrun or when things go wrong during the lining up phase non-disjunction is a key term non-disjunction occurs during mitosis or it can happen during meiosis out um, meiosis 2 during oogenesis and each of the resulting four cells would be fertilized but um each one of them would have a chromosomal extra chromosome. This is called chromosomal trisomy. And this means that the cell has an extra chromosome. So if non-disjunction happens during meiosis II and oogenesis, each of the resulting four cells is fertilized with normal sperm and you have four functional egg cells resulting how many cells are normal and how many would have chromosomal trisomy? According to the probability, then you would end up with two normal cells, but one cell will have the extra copy trisomy and one cell will have a missing cop copy. This is monosomy. How many chromosome pairs does a human have? Remember that we have 46 individual chromosomes and we have 23 pairs because we have 23 from the paternal side, 23 chromosomes from the maternal side and combine those together for 46 or 23 pairs of chromosomes. 
the first 22 pairs of chromosomes are autosomes and the last pair is the sex chromosomes. Um, the X determines if it is a female, so two X's is female and XY, the Y is male. A karyotype, remember, is a visual display of all 46 chromosomes or 23 pairs. So you can look at the karyotype and determine whether or not um, there were extra or missing copies of chromosomes, particularly if there is a gene that contains a mutation. Um, you can see chromosome structure in a karyotype, um, but you cannot see actual gene mutations. So you want to look at a karyotype to see if a fusion of two chromosomes has occurred, if a translation or a translocation has occurred between two chromosomes, if, if a chromosome is missing, if there's an extra one, um, but you cannot see if it has an actual mutation. Um, remember that the main two divisions of the cell cycle are interphase and cell division, which is mitosis. All right. I know we just talked about interphase. There are three stages of interphase, G1, G2, and S phase. All right, remember the three checkpoints. G1, G2, and M for mitotic spindle. At the G2 checkpoint, because this happens after synthesis, the cell checks that the DNA has replicated. Now remember that the DNA integrity is checked both at G1 and G2 because if there's a problem there, it can be kicked into G0 into a holding pattern to have time to be repaired if at all possible. And the cell's gonna check for that before it undergoes division. Cytokinesis is cell division. It does not have a checkpoint. Remember the genes that affect the cell cycle. Your proto-oncogenes, they stimulate it, they're the gas pedal, they promote it, they make it happen, they accelerate it, and tumor suppressor genes are the brakes that put a halt or a stop on it. Um, remember that cytokinesis, the last stage of mitosis, is division of the cytoplasm. Mitosis is division of the nucleus and chromosomes, and the chromatin is divided during mitosis, cleavage is the division of the zygote. So just remember, mitosis and interphase are two separate phases, and the stages of mitosis include prophase, prometaphase, metaphase, anaphase, telophase. During prophase, the nuclear membrane dissipates, and the DNA and chromosomes start to become appearing and available. During prometaphase, the centrioles or centrosomes are going to start to move to opposite ends of the cell. 
during metaphase, the mitotic spindle forms. This is the lining up phase. There's an imaginary middle plate where meta comes from. Those chromosomes line up. The spindle is pulled tight. The um, kinetochores are captured by the mitotic spindle and they are pulled tight across the mitotic spindle from one part of the cell to, the, to another. During anaphase, the chromosomes are pulled apart. And during telophase, there are little actin filaments that start to cleave the middle of the cell. The two nuclear membranes start to reform around what will be the new offspring cells. And cytokinesis is actual division when it's divided into two and the pinching off of the cytoplasm. Remember that during mitosis, that's one round of cell division and you end up with two offspring cells. But during meiosis, you have meiosis one and two, so two cell divisions occur and you end up with a total result of four offspring cells. When you um, include meiosis and mitosis together, then Meiosis results in four cells, and mitosis involves and results in two cells. So remember that we talked about autosomes and chromosomes. Autosomes are all of the other cells other than the sex chromosomes. So those first 22 pairs are autosomes, and that last pair are the sex chromosomes. With trisomy, this can happen in different chromosomes, but trisomy of the XX chromosomes has the greatest chance of survival. So when you have trisomy of the XX chromosomes, that's triple X, you have the greatest chance of survival among those chromosomal pairs that are listed. Um, we also studied about genetics and genetic inheritance. There is an example of familial hypercholesterolemia. The type of inheritance that this displays is incomplete dominance. So in this case, um, rather than something being autosomal recessive or autosomal dominant, co-dominant or sex-linked dominant, this one is incompletely dominant. This means that you'll have more than one trait involved. The genotype of a person with type O blood is the recessive I. You've got two lowercase i's. So their genotype is lowercase i, lowercase i. And that is for type O blood. Um, a, an X-linked recessive disorder example is color blindness. This means that um, the parents carry the trait, but the offspring displays the phenotype because they get both recessive traits and they uh, display the phenotype. When you describe a person as lactose intolerant, you are describing their phenotype, not their genotype. Remember, the genotype is the information. The phenotype is the physical expression. Genes have alternate versions, and they're called alleles. 
and a locus is a location on the chromosome where the gene band is found. So an allele is to a gene as a locus is to a chromosome because it's a specific location. Um, make sure that you know the difference between dominant and recessive genotypes and phenotypes. A person that has a recessive phenotype is going to have a genotype with all lowercase letters. If it's capital, it's dominant. If it's lowercase, it's recessive. If a person has two different alleles for the number of fingers on the hands, five-finger allele and a six-finger allele, when both of the five-finger allele and the six-finger allele are present in the same individual, the individual has six fingers on each hand. Which allele is dominant? Well, that would be six fingers because that's what your phenotype is. And that's because that is a dominant allele. Remember that both DNA and RNA are found in the nucleus of the eukaryotic cell and that is what carries the genetic information. We have 20 different amino acids that are found in proteins and these are built during translation. You also have codons or triplets that are present to start and stop translation. There's only one start codon, and that's the AUG codon. It's A-U-G. If you are given an RNA sequence, it doesn't matter what it is. Anything is going to code first for methionine. So if you're given any sequence, C-A-A, U-G-A, C-C-A, G-C-A, no matter what that is, the first amino acid is always going to be methionine in the chain in building a protein. When you look at the monomer unit of DNA, that is the main um, backbone. The backbone of DNA consists of phosphate and nitrogenous bases. Remember, you've got your four bases, adenine A, thymine T, cytosine C, guanine G. A always pairs with T, C always pairs with G, and then your sugar phosphate. So your phosphate, sugar, and nitrogen base are the monomer unit of DNA that forms the backbone. The structure that contains the anticodon that bonds to the codon is on the transfer or the tRNA. There are three stop codons in the genetic code. So those are UAA, UAG, and UGA. You have one start codon and three stop codons. One of the benefits that is gained from learning how to sequence DNA is that scientists are now able to identify faulty genes. There are treatments being developed for diseases. There's vaccinations being developed. Crops are being modified to increase yields and natural resistance to pesticides and in insects. It is also increasing our understanding of our evolutionary history and you're able to use these methods to diagnose disease. The bases in DNA are complementary. A always binds with T and C always binds with G unless it is 
um, RNA. Now in RNA, A binds with U, but in DNA, A binds with T. When it comes to cancer, we studied cancer biology. Make sure that you know the seven warning signs and signals that could possibly indicate cancer. And they spell caution, C-A-U-T-I-O-N. Make sure that you can explain and talk about this. Any change in bowel and bladder habits, a sore that doesn't heal, unusual bleeding or discharge, thickening or lump, indigestion or difficulty swallowing, obvious change in a wart or mole, nagging cough or hoarseness. Others include changes in moles, the symmetry, the borders become irregular, they may change color, become multicolored, the diameter may grow, or they may become elevated over time. And that's the A, B, C, D, E. A chemical that causes cancer is a carcinogen. So remember C chemical, C carcinogen. Um, a carcinogen is a type of mutagen. Remember that oncogenes are activated, mutated proto-oncogenes, and those plus mutated tumor suppressor genes, they can accelerate the cell cycle, cause mutations to build on top of one another, cause the cell cycle to be unrestrained, prevent apoptosis, cells will divide rapidly, multiply mutations, develop a tumor, and this is like the car's gas pedal being pushed to the floor without the brake working. So the accelerated cell cycle overrides the cell checkpoints that normally check the cells for growth, repair, DNA synthesis, mutations, um, normally halt the cell cycle and attempt to repair or send the cell to apoptosis. These are all overridden. Um, Make sure that you know about early Earth's atmosphere. It's not the same as it is today because it would have had little, if any, oxygen. It was more of an anaerobic atmosphere. Both the RNA-first and the protein-first hypothesis must propose a manner for DNA to become the genetic material it is today. The first cell acquired both DNA and enzymatic proteins is an issue for both the RNA-first and protein-first hypotheses. Um, let's see. Be able to describe the characteristics of cancer cells that distinguish them from normal cells. Remember that cancer is a cell disease. It is characterized by uncontrolled cell growth. The cancer cells lack differentiation. They have abnormal nuclei. They avoid apoptosis. They have unlimited potential to replicate, form tumors. They have the ability to spread, to metastasize, to look abnormal, to disregard growth factors, to undergo carcinogenesis, to undergo angiogenesis, and to develop their own blood supply, disregard cell cycle checkpoints, have mutated genes, and to divide immortally. Um, remember the levels of life and the levels of um, everything up to the biosphere. At the level of the ecosystem, all of the energy in the ecosystem eventually becomes heat. Now, heat is a conversion of energy that dissipates in the environment. Humans have learned to capture some of that and recycle it, but that's what it becomes. As a rule of thumb, um, in general, 
the food energy taken by an herbivore that is passed on to a carnivore or a primary consumer is about 10%. So about 90% of the energy is lost. The definition of an ecosystem is all of the living organisms and the non-living environment interacting together. The advantage of constructing an ecological pyramid based on biomass is the size of the various organisms. It's eliminated as a factor. Um, the biomass is the number of organisms multiplied by the weight of organic matter contained in one organism. The different cycles uh, that are part of the biogeochemical cycles the phosphorus cycle is a sedimentary cycle because phosphorus is absorbed from the soil by plants. Carbon and nitrogen are gaseous cycles. Water and ice are part of the hydrologic cycle. The atmosphere is considered a component of the exchange pool in a chemical cycle. An exchange pool is a source from which organisms generally take chemicals such as the atmosphere or soil. Minerals and rocks are considered to be a component of the reservoir of a chemical cycle because a reservoir is a source normally unavailable to producers such as minerals and rocks or calcium carbonate shells on the ocean floor. Groundwater mining includes aquifers. It is the withdrawal of water from aquifers, which are reservoirs of water. Carbon dioxide is made available to living organisms by photosynthesis. Photosynthesis allows producers to incorporate carbon into nutrients. Breathing, cellular respiration, combustion, and decay all release carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and that's used by producers. Um, the two things that characterize a biome are temperature and rainfall. This is how everything is divided into different biomes, the desert biome, the forest biome, the tropical biome, etc. Make sure that you understand climate change, global warming, and greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and hydrofluorocarbons in sprays are all part of the greenhouse gases. An effect of climate change is global warming, rise in sea level, melting of glaciers, wetter coastal regions, and the flooding of coastal ag agricultural lands. A legume is a bean that is involved in housing nitrogen-fixing bacteria at the root system. So this is beneficial to the soil. The process of denitrification is important because humans have used fertilizers to convert nitrate to nitrogen gas. So this is how nitrogen gas is um, getting into the atmosphere because denitrification is the conversion of nitrate back to nitrogen gas. Decomposers are important. We have decomposers which include bacteria and fungi. They perform a valuable service to the earth because they recycle nutrients. Decomposers release inorganic substances that are taken up by plants and then re-entered into the biotic elements of an ecosystem.
Hi, this is the podcast study guide for the Microbiology 207 final comprehensive exam, which covers all of the chapters and topics throughout the course. There's going to be 50 questions on the exam, and some of them are going to be worth more than one point, and there's a total of 79 points on the exam. Make sure that you know the major three domains in the phylogenetic tree of life and the four kingdoms. This included domain bacteria, domain archaea, domain eukarya. Remember that kingdom prokaryota is a kingdom and it falls under both bacteria and archaea. And there are four major kingdoms under domain eukarya. Kingdom animalia, kingdom plantae, kingdom fungi, and kingdom protozoan. Uh, Cells are the fundamental units of life and the level at which things are considered to be alive or living. They can be simple or complex, unicellular or multicellular, prokaryote, eukaryote, and of course all of the kingdoms that fall underneath eukaryote. Make sure that you study chapter 3, which was on the cells for prokaryote structure and function and eukaryote structure and function. Be able to look at a eukaryote structure cell and be able to label its parts of the organelles and their functions. So make sure that when you look at this and you're studying your chapter, have your PowerPoint and notes side by side so that all those little acronyms and things that I gave you for the cell organelles, such as ATP, um, powerhouse of the cell is the mitochondria, the UPS center of the cell is the Golgi apparatus, the endoplasmic reticulum is rough or smooth, ribosomes are the sites of protein synthesis. Make sure that you study all of these things and all of these parts of your cell. Also, make sure that you recognize the things that both prokaryote and eukaryote structure have that are the same or similar. Make sure you know which ones are unique to each one. And make sure that you know prokaryotes, which which organelles some of them have, but not all of them, such as the capsule, the slime layer, and the conjunction pilus where they can share their plasmids. Um, make sure that you study about viruses. They are non-living infectious particles and molecules, also referred to as acellular. Then they consist of nucleic acid, either DNA or RNA, but never both a protein capsid shell, some have a lipid envelope, some do not, and those are naked particles, and they have glycoprotein spikes so that they can adhere and dock to the host cell surface. Make sure that you know about prions. They are also off-cellular, non-living infectious protein particles. They cause Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease in humans, Kuru, mad cow disease, scrapie in sheep, and spongiform encephalopathy. They are non-living organisms. Make sure that you study about the microbiome, especially throughout chapter one. Highlight all of those things, all the benefits, um, all of the information about how they interact with humans and the environment. Study the very end of the chapter on the microbiome and go to the end of every chapter that we've covered. Look at the microbiome, the parts that are normal in the human body, the benefits to humans, the benefits to the environment, but also study about pathogens, opportunistic pathogens, and the harm that they cause so that you would be able to write about an essay question. This will be an essay question. You need to be able to know the benefits and harm and to be able to compare and contrast those benefits and uh, the harm that they can cause. 
Make sure that you study bacterial taxonomy in chapter one, the binomial nomenclature. You need to know the domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, so that you can know the scientific name at the genus and species level and be able to recognize examples. Now the genus is always capitalized, the species is always lowercase, and both are always italicized. Examples are Staphylococcus aureus, Streptococcus pyogenes, Escherichia coli, and Clostridium difficile. Bacterial morphology and gram stain. You need to know gram positive stains purple, gram negative stains pink red. The Staphylococci are formed in grape-like clusters. Streptococci are cocci in pairs and chains. Diplococci are cocci in pairs. Bacilli are rods and spirochete spirilla or corkscrew shape. Again, study both your prokaryote and eukaryote cell structure with all those labels in your textbook so that you know what is included in each type of cell, which are shared things, such as the nucleus. They all have a nucleus, they all have cytoplasm, they all have a cell membrane, but only some of them have, um, only some eukaryotes have cell walls. All bacteria have cell walls. So make sure that you compare and contrast those two types of cells. Make sure you know the steps of the scientific method in their order and about what happens in each. The first step is observation. You're asking questions, looking for signs and symptoms, using your senses. Signs are what you, as the healthcare provider, notice, the vitals, um, signs of inflammation. Symptoms are what the patient experiences and feels and tells you about. Make sure that you know that during this step, you're formulating questions, asking questions, and that leads you to the next step, which is the hypothesis. Hypothesis is based on research, reasoning based on facts, the development of an educated guess, if-then thinking. It's testable. It needs to be supported or unsupported, and you can have more than one. The experiments and tests are next. That can be lab tests or clinical trials. Data analysis is analyzing data from testing, graphs, and charts. The results are based on the facts, data, and testing. And the conclusion is the summary, and that may lead you to more questions and testing. Know each category of physical and chemical control of microbes and the terminology involved. Sterilization kills everything, destroys everything, including endospores. Disinfection just reduces the population of microbes on a surface. Sanitization reduces the population of microbes using detergents, soaps, surfactants, alcohol-based products like hand sanitizers. Destroys the phospholipid membrane and viral envelope. Antisepsis simply reduces the reduction of microbial population on living tissues and skin. Cytal means to kill and stasis means to reduce. Aseptic technique was invented by Lister in the 1800s and that is the steps used to reduce the microbial population to prevent disease. You need to know the antibiotic categories, what they target on the cells or in the cells. Uh, penicillin was the first one. It was derived from a mold discovered by Alexander Fleming. It attacks the cell wall, especially of gram positives. Cells can develop resistance by developing mechanisms to block or destroy the medications from binding or from destroying them. Plasmids transfer antibiotic resistance genes between bacteria via the conjugation pillus. Bacteria can also divide and pass this new antibiotic resistance on to their offspring. Quinine is a medication used to treat malaria. Chloroquine is the current treatment for quinine was developed from the bark of the cinchona tree and chloroquine is the synthetic version of that.
Make sure that you study the diseases and the microbes that cause them. Prions cause Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Viruses and illnesses know the causes of the common cold, such as rhinovirus, adenovirus, coronaviruses. Epstein-Barr virus causes mono and infectious mononucleosis. HIV virus causes AIDS. Bacteria and fungi, streptococcus pyogenes, causes strep throat, acute endocarditis, rheumatary arthritis, scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, vegetations that can destroy heart valves, and um, this is a bacterial disease. Another bacterial disease, streptococcus pneumoniae, most common cause of community-acquired pneumonia and ear infections, otitis media. Group B strep causes neonatal meningitis. MRSA causes the number one cause of hospital-acquired pneumonia and VAP, ventilator-associated pneumonia, and wound infections. HIV-AIDS causes opportunistic infections to occur due to the lack of CD4 T-cells. E. coli is the number one cause of urinary tract infection. Candida albicans is the number one cause of vaginitis. This is an overgrowth of yeast, usually due to broad-spectrum therapy, but it can also cause thrush and esophagitis. E. coli 157H7 causes gastrointestinal diarrhea, traveler's diarrhea, bloody diarrhea, and it can also result in hemolytic uremic syndrome. Gonorrhea and chlamydia and syphilis are the top causes of STDs. Trichomonas is a protozoan STD. HPV2, HSV2 are also STDs. Clostridium perfringens is a gram-positive endospore-forming bacillus. It causes gas gangrene. It's poisoned by oxygen. It is an anaerobe that thrives in lack of oxygen environments. It is a bacilli that produces toxins that destroy tissue. C. diff or Clostridium difficile is similar, but it causes pseudomembranous diarrhea after broad-spectrum antibiotic therapy. Protozoans, we studied plasmodium. It's causes malaria. It's carried by the mosquito arthropod vector, and it's treated with quinine or chloroquine. We also learned about acanthamoeba, which causes eye infections, and the uh, anamoeba histolytica, which causes GI infections. Nosocomial infections are hospital-acquired. Endospores are structures that preserve DNA when vegetative cells are destroyed until conditions are just right for germination again, and then they're only destroyed by autoclaving and sterilization. They are produced by Clostridium species and Bacillus species. Make sure that you study the host cells and host defenses and immunity. Know which parts are found in and what occurs in each step. The first line of defense, second line of defense, third line of defense. First is intact skin and mucous membranes, hair, nails, the secretions, lysozyme, enzymes found in tears and saliva and mucus. The second line of defense is the phagocytes, macrophages, and the inflammatory response. The bridge between second and third is dendritic cell presentation. And the third line of defense is specific and adaptive and contains T-cells, helper T-cells, cytotoxic T-cells, natural killers T-cells, and B lymphocytes, which are activated to become plasma cells to secrete antibodies. Make sure you know the four hypersensitivity reactions. Study that table in the chapter to look what happens in each and a description of each and examples of each. Number one is immediate. Number two is cell-mediated. Number three is autoimmune. And number four is delayed. Make sure that you study passive, natural, artificial, and active immunity. 
and what happens in each, know which one is caused by naturally having the disease, which one is caused by passing it from mother to child, which one is caused by giving gamma globulins, and which one is caused by giving an immunization. Make sure that you study the autoimmune diseases, what happens, examples of each, immunodeficiency, what happens, examples of each, inflammation, the four cardinal signs are redness, swelling, edema, warmth, fever, tenderness, and pain. Immunoglobulins are IgG, most prominent overall, IgA, most prevalent in colostrum, breast milk, mucus, mucous membranes, saliva, and tears. IgM is the largest. IgE is associated with allergic reactions, basophils, mast cells, and parasitic infections. IgD is not secreted. It stays on the surface of the cell. All of the rest of them are secreted by B lymphocytes that were activated to plasma cells. On the vaginal wet prep, look for the following. Leukocytes, which are white blood cells, erythrocytes, which are red blood cells, trichomonas, yeast cells, budding, pseudohyphae, and clue cells. Know the structures of the respiratory system, which are upper and lower, and infections associated with upper and lower respiratory tracts. Know the infections of the heart, causes, and consequences. Know the diseases of the central nervous system, focusing on meningitis, causes and types, populations and ages affected, if there's vaccines for them, tetanus and botulism, and what they cause. Know the causes and types of conjunctivitis, including neonatal conjunctivitis. Know the types of infections that can be caused by both staph and strep, such as impetigo, cellulitis, toxic shock syndrome, scalded skin syndrome, wound infections, and that sort of thing. Make sure that you know the parts of the immune system, innate and adaptive specific, what's included in each. Know the difference between an outbreak, an endemic, an epidemic, and a pandemic. Pandemic is global. Epidemic is when cases in your area rise more than when they, what they would normally be. Endemic is something that's specialized to a local area. And an outbreak is something that sporadically occurs. Know the difference between direct and indirect transmission. What is included in examples of each? Direct is things like touching, kissing, um, exchange of saliva or bl blood or body fluids. Indirect transmission tends to be passed by a fomite, which is an inanimate or um, something that is non-living, such as a surface, a doorknob, that sort of thing. What is included in examples of each? Vector transmission is caused by or carried by an insect. Know the stages of infection and what happens in each. Incubation, this is the period of time before any symptoms where the virus or bacteria is replicating. The prodromal phase, symptoms are early and just start to show up. Acute is when the symptoms are at their worst and the virus or bacteria is very rapidly replicating. And the convalescence is the period of recovery. Continuation is if there is sequelae, sequelae and something has caused permanent damage or become chronic. Make sure you know signs, what you see, symptoms, what the patient feels. Syndrome is a complex of signs and syndromes specific to a specific disease. And sequelae is when something becomes chronic or causes permanent damage. It's a consequence. Know the following terms and their definitions. Virulence and um, pathogenicity. Virulence is the strength of a disease due to virulence factors. Uh, pathogens are disease-causing organisms. Pathogenicity is the ability of a microbe to cause disease. 
Portal of entry is how it gets in. Portal of exit is how it leaves the body. Infection is when the microbe gets into the bloodstream and starts replicating. Disease is when it active, actively causes symptoms while it's replicating. Colonization is where the microbiome has made its home in and on the body. Broad spectrum drugs treat a wide variety of microbes, both gram positive and gram negative. Narrow spectrum is more targeted and focused and treats a narrower range of microbes. Make sure that you could write an essay about how you would design the ideal antibiotic using what you learned in your lab and in your book to um, all of the steps and the things that are involved in an ideal antibiotic. Hello, this is the study guide podcast for the final exam for biology. Make sure that you realize that this is a comprehensive exam that covers all topics and chapters throughout the course. Make sure that you study the domains. You need to study the three major domains and the four major kingdoms. Make sure that you understand microscopy and the structure of cells and the parts, the organelles of the cells and which one contains a nucleus, which one does not. Make sure that you study which organisms are closely related to humans. Make sure that you understand the definition for the term evolution. Make sure that you study the scientific study of life and know what that term is. That is biology. Make sure that you could describe in detail and list the steps of the scientific method in order. Study the statements that define homeostasis and be able to recognize examples of it. Make sure that you study a substance used in medicine to produce various images of organs and tissues. This is something, this is one of the radioisotopes that is used as a tracer because it takes up um, sugars, for example, like with the PET scan and you have radioactive glucose. That's an example of a tracer used in scans that help produce an image of organs and tissues to help diagnose disease and cancer. Make sure that you understand the term atom, element, molecule, compound, and how they bond together. Remember ionic bonds, compound bonds, covalent bonds, hydrogen bonds, peptide bonds. Make sure that you know the term for atoms that share electrons and what type of bonds that they share. Covalent is sharing, ionic is give or take, and that's due to opposites attracting. Hydrogen bonds are found in water and they're also found in the DNA molecule and peptide bonds are found between amino acids in the building of a protein. Um, make sure that you understand the terms hydrophilic, hydrophobic, polar, and nonpolar, and why water is polar, why oil is nonpolar. Make sure that you understand the pH scale 
the pH of blood 7.35 to 7.45, an acidic solution, a basic solution, and a buffer. In an acidic solution, the number of hydrogens is greater than the number of hydroxide ions. In an alkaline or basic solution, the number of hydroxide ions is greater than the number of hydrogen ions. And a buffer is able to take up an excess of either one and bring it closer to neutral. Acids are less than 7 on the pH scale. Bases are higher than 7 on the pH scale. Metabolic and respiratory acidosis fall under 7 and uh, specifically under 7.35. And the um, alkaline or bases alkalosis falls above 7.45 on the pH scale. Make sure that you understand monosaccharides, disaccharides, polysaccharides. Mono means one. Those are the single sugars. Know which ones are monosaccharides. Know which ones are disaccharides and know which ones are polysaccharides. Know um, the polysaccharides, the complex things that we studied about, including things like chitin, starch, cellulose, glycogen, and how they are alike. Know which category the sex hormones belong to. Um, make sure that you're studying why proteins do not function after they've been denatured. That's when they, they unwind. The peptide bonds break. They're no longer able to function. They're not held together anymore. If they lose their structure, they lose their function. Be able to write about and describe the structure and function of the DNA molecule, including how things pair together and its role. Be able to write about and compare and contrast in detail isotonic, hypertonic, and hypotonic solutions. Be able to write about and describe in detail the similarities and differences between diffusion, osmosis, facilitated transport, and active transport. Be able to describe in detail the role of the pH scale, acids, bases, buffers, their differences, and be able to give an example of each. Be able to list the roles of the following organelles in the eukaryote cell. Make sure you know the mitochondrion and what it does, the ribosome, the nucleus, the Golgi apparatus, the rough and smooth endoplasmic reticulum, the cytoskeleton, the flagellum, and what their purposes are. And make sure that you study the tissues in chapter four, what kind of characteristics can be differentiated between bone and cartilage, what type of blood cells are responsible for transporting oxygen, which component of blood would increase as a result of infection? Remember, you'll see an increase such as leukocytosis, and you can have any of number of the white blood cells increase. Red blood cells transport oxygen. They carry hemoglobin, which carries iron. And bone and cartilage are both connective tissues. They are either fibrous 
or specialized connective tissue. Bone is hard and cartilage is flexible. Uh, blood is also a type of connective tissue, but it is a liquid connective tissue. When you look at cardiac muscle under the microscope, the cardiac muscle cells are unique because they have intercalated discs and they are striated and they're also branched. When you look at skeletal muscle under the microscope, there are bands um, and it is not branched. And when you look at smooth muscles under the microscope, there are no striations. Um, make sure that you know the nervous system tissue and the cells that conduct a signal are referred to as neurons. The neuroglia and gliomas and astrocytes are there just to nourish and support the neurons, but the neurons are the ones that conduct the actual signal. And the Schwann cells produce the padding that goes around they are the myelin sheath that wraps around to insulate nerves and to help the signal go faster. Make sure that you understand the various tissues and their role uh, with cancer. Um, the reason why women get pap smears is to help diagnose and prevent cervical cancer early on. The epithelial lining you have epithelial skin cells that line the outside of the body, but they also line your organs. And they line your intestine, and they're specialized and modified with microvilli for absorption of vitamins and nutrients that your body needs. The epidermis is made up of stratified squamous epithelium. It's about seven layers um, in depth, you have your epidermis, the dermis falls underneath that, and the subcutaneous layer, adipose tissue, is underneath that. The membrane that is infected in meningitis includes the brain and the spinal cord, uh, the meninges that line the brain and spinal cord. And encephalitis affects the brain and spinal cord directly, but meningitis affects the meninges that line your brain and spinal cord. Um, make sure that you study and review the three different types of cartilage and be able to list those. Make sure that you know the phases of HIV infection. Understand which phase the person is usually asymptomatic, but they can still be infectious. Um, make sure that you remember that once the CD4 T cells drop below 200 cells, then the phase of the HIV infection moves into AIDS, and opportunistic infections can take over. Um, know that multidrug-resistant organisms, such as MRSA, are resistant to methicillin, Remember that antibiotics are used only to treat bacterial infections. They are not used to treat viral infections, and it is not wise to stop taking antibiotic treatment before the regime is complete. 
um, or to take them to treat yourself when you've borrowed it from a family member that had some leftover. It's not wise to skip a dose. It's not wise to save it and use it later on or to discontinue them when you start feeling better. Make sure that you could describe in detail the structure of a typical virus particle. Remember, viruses have nucleic acid, DNA, or RNA, but never both at the same time. They are surrounded by a protein capsid shell. Some of them have an envelope that they get from the phospholipid bilayer membrane upon budding out of the host cell. Those are enveloped viruses. And other ones that do not have the envelope are naked virus particles. They also have glycoprotein spikes that they use for adsorption and entry into the host cell. Make sure you know that humans have 46 individual chromosomes and 23 pairs of chromosomes. Study the stages of mitosis and interphase and make sure that you know that you know, the different phases, prophase, the nuclear membrane starts to dissipate, metaphase, everything starts to line up on the imaginary metaphase plate on the mitotic spindle. During anaphase, they pull apart. During telophase, you will first see the chromosomes start to reappear and the new nuclear membrane will form around them. And during cytokinesis, the cells actually pinch off into two offspring cells. Um, this mitosis cycle is used for repair, regeneration for all of the other cells of the body, the autosomes, whereas meiosis is for the sex chromosomes and the gametes. Uh, remember that in meiosis, there are two phases meiosis one and meiosis two and then at the end you have a total of four offspring cells whereas with mitosis your total is two at the end there remember that meiosis is unique because you have crossing over that occurs which can help with genetic variety and then you also have the pulling apart anaphase which is the second chance for genetic variability. Remember the difference between genotype and phenotype. Genotype is the information. Phenotype is how it expresses itself physically, what's going to show up. You need to look through the blood types in your textbook and memorize the geno genotype of a person um, with the different types of blood. Make sure that you can recognize recessive phenotypes, dominant phenotypes, and homozygous and heterozygous phenotypes. Remember, capital letters represent dominant, lowercase represent recessive. If they're the same, it is homozygous. If they are different, such as a capital and a lowercase letter, that is heterozygous. Make sure that you can recognize the characteristics of autosomal dominant disorders and autosomal recessive disorders and what can happen 
with those crosses. All right, make sure that you study global warming and climate change and be able to write about global warming, climate change, the causes, the consequences, the greenhouse gases, the role of human behavior in this, as well as ideas for solutions to this growing problem. Also make sure that you know both the structure of DNA and RNA and their role in the cell. Their role is to carry the genetic material of the cell and they are found in the nucleus of the cell. Um, make sure you remember that there are 20 different amino acids that are found in proteins. They can be in any order. Um, make sure you know the potential function of proteins. Make sure you study those functions. Some of them are enzymes. Some of them are antibodies. Some of them are hormones. Some of them are neurotransmitters. Some of them are channels so that things can cross the membrane. Some of them are carriers. They help things get across. Some of them are signal proteins. They, they communicate with each other. So they do have a lot of roles in the cell. Make sure that you know the bases in DNA and how they pair. Adenine always pairs with thymine, so A pairs with T, T pairs with A. G pairs with C, guanine and cytosine pair together with DNA. The bases are always complementary. The nucleotide or the backbone of DNA consists of the sugar phosphate backbone and one of the bases, and then they bind together with the other bases. Hold on one second. Okay. 